It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the program tonight. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday uh, Thursday, April 7th, 2011. Thank you for being a part of it and we look forward to hearing from you. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. And you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a listener interactive program in which we benefit from your participation. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, thank you. Good to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. And, um, you know, technical problems have been at a minimum here lately. Maybe uh, maybe we're on a roll here. Well, don't don't jinx us by saying that. You might, we might have terrible trouble. You never know. But so far, so good. And uh, we have Anthony behind the controls tonight, so that he'll help make it uh, so that we don't have any technical problems. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks. It's good to be here. And uh, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's always great to be back behind the uh, the magic booth here. The magic booth. And uh, we're glad that you're driving tonight. We're uh, looking forward to hearing from you on and Well, this is, uh, this is somewhat of a painful uh, subject tonight. It's not a pleasant uh, topic tonight. Well, it's not, it's not pleasant, but it's and, certainly biblical. And Eric knows what we're talking about in the chat room. He says it's a frightening subject. Tonight. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about hell tonight. Uh, there's been, I don't know if our listeners would be really aware of it. We put it in our update today, but there's been quite a controversy brewing in some denominational circles uh, on the subject of hell. And it's been generated by a, a fellow who is the pastor of a one of these mega churches near Grand Rapids, Michigan, in Granville, Michigan. The fellow's name is Rob Bell, and he's uh, with the Mars Hill Bible Church in Granville, which is, a, I guess, a suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Well, and, and he's, and he's a prep, uh, apparently a televangelist. Uh, well, he's he's sort of a rock star kind of okay. evangelist. Mega church evangelist. Mega church evangelist. He does a lot of public speaking engagements. He has a lot of videos out on the internet, and a lot of people are paying attention to him. He's he's written a new book, and by the way, several of our listeners caught my error in our update. The name of the book is Love Wins. I I, I wasn't even thinking, and I typed in God Wins. I believe well, God, does, I, I believe God wins. I believe Love Wins. Yeah, I, yeah. But uh, he's written a book called Love Wins. But the 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 controversy is over the fact that in this book, he's basically de- taking the view that. It's it's really impossible to believe in a loving God, and also believe that He could send people to hell. Making some pretty outrageous claims. We'll get into those as we go along. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you on the program as we talk about hell tonight. Uh, you are much more in the know than I am. I didn't know there was such a controversy. I didn't even know the book existed. I think Anthony, you knew, and apparently some of our listeners did as well. We've got some comments uh, where others were already plugged into this uh, fact, but uh, it has made a stir. Apparently, it has. In fact, uh, uh, I, I caught uh, there's a. There's some ongoing Internet debates back and forth, and one of them is being conducted by the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, a fellow named Albert Moeller, and uh, he is upset with what Rob Bell has been teaching. Others have come to Rob Bell's defense, and so they've really been batting this back and forth, and it's been sort of an Internet phenomenon. There's been a lot of exchange by some pretty prominent people as a reaction to this book that's been written by Rob Bell. Okay. All right. Well, earlier today you asked some questions. And uh, should we do the questions first or should we listen to what Rob has? Well, let's ask the questions, get our questions out there. Uh, We're we're seeking input from you on these questions, as we always do. We send out an update uh, noon or a little after on Thursdays usually, telling our listeners what the subject's going to be, asking for your input. How do I get on that list? Send send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Put in the subject line, add me to the list, and we'll do it. That's why, got, I, get, that's why I get these emails. That's I'm right. On your list. You're on my list, and you get my emails. Okay. If you if you have if you've been on the list and you're not getting the emails, I I have not purged the list. So uh, check your spam filter, check in your spam folder. You, you're, we're probably getting diverted because we do send out a message. Well, actually, we send out two messages every week. Right. 
If you're on our update list, you also get the, a free subscription to our electronic church bulletin. No extra charge. No extra charge all at right. all. And it, it, it's, it's a package that is deal. value. So you usually you get that on Tuesday and you get our update on Thursday. And so since we are sending out some regular emails to some, a pretty large mailing list, I think some of the spam right. filters probably catch okay. us. So okay. check that if you're not getting our updates. Okay. But anyway, to our update list today, I sent out three simple questions. Number one, do you believe in a literal eternal hell? Yes or no, why or why not? Right. Number two, what is the difference, if any, between hell and Hades? I think there's some confusion in a lot of people's minds because the, especially the King James Version does a pretty terrible job of translating the difference between hell and Hades, and I think there is a difference. Okay. Uh, and number three, and this is this is what we really are going to get to. Number three, how do you answer when someone like Rob Bell asks the question, "How can a loving God send anyone to hell?" And that's what this controversy is: is that these fellows are trying to pit God's love against the idea that He could send anybody to hell, and and. They're not the first people who ever came up with that question. Rob Bell or, or the people who were no, with him no. are not the pe- first people who ever uh, imagined such a question. That's That's been an issue for centuries. It's something we have to deal with. It's a question people are going to ask. The Sadducees uh, didn't believe in hell either. Well, that's true. Exactly right. So anyway, uh, that's what we're going to study tonight. We're going to study about hell, the controversy that's been generated by Rob, book, Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. And we've got a little trailer for that book. Anthony, if you can... Show that it's a couple minutes long, but I think it really uh, will indicate how this controversy, what it's based on. All right, we're all set. Roll it. Several years ago, we had an art show at our church, and people brought in all kinds of sculptures and paintings, and we put them on display. And there was this one piece that had a quote from Gandhi in it. And lots of people found this piece compelling. They'd stop and sort of stare at it and take it in and reflect on it, but not everybody found it that compelling. Somewhere in the course of the art show, somebody attached a handwritten note to the piece, and on the note they had written, Reality check, he's in hell. Gandhi's in hell? He is? And someone knows this for sure and felt the need to let the rest of us know? Will only a few select people make it to heaven? And will billions and billions of people burn forever in hell? And if that's the case, how do you become one of the few? Is it what you believe or what you say or what you do or who you know or something that happens in your heart? Or do you need to be initiated or baptized or take a class or converted or being born again? How does one become one of these few? And then there is the question behind the questions, the real question, what is God like? Because millions and millions of people were taught that the primary message, the center of the gospel of Jesus, is that God is going to send you to hell unless you believe in Jesus. And so what gets subtly sort of caught and taught is that Jesus rescues you from God. But what kind of God is that, that we would need to be rescued from this God? How could that God ever be good? How could that God ever be trusted? And how could that ever be good news? This is why lots of people want nothing to do with the Christian faith. They see it as an endless list of absurdities and inconsistencies and they say, why would I ever want to be a part of that? See, what we believe about heaven and hell is incredibly important because it exposes what we believe about who God is and what God is like. What you discover in the Bible is so surprising, unexpected, and beautiful that whatever we've been told or taught, the good news is actually better than that, better than we could ever imagine. The good news is that love wins. You know, those are some shocking uh, statements that uh, that Mr. Bell makes there, uh, in direct contradiction with this. I mean, almost word for word, he just perverts and turns the scriptures on end, 180 degrees opposite. Well, you know, he started out with that question about Gandhi. He seemed shocked that someone would suggest 
that Gandhi is not a saved person. Well, my understanding is that Gandhi never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's a guy who calls himself a Christian, but he is saying that Gandhi is okay, although Gandhi never believed in Jesus. Well, if you can be saved without believing in Jesus, then then you are directly denying the words of Jesus. John 8, 24. John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And so you deny, you're calling Jesus a liar, and you're also, I mean, you've got to logically think of the conclusion here. The conclusion is that if Gandhi is saved, then Jesus didn't need to die. You can be saved without Jesus. Yep, Jesus is a liar. That's yeah. what Rob Bell's saying. Yeah. I don't know who you want to stand with, Rob Bell or Jesus, but uh, I think the choice is fairly clear. Yeah, so uh, I think you can see if if you had not been aware of the controversy before, just by watching that little trailer for Rob Bell's new book, Love Wins, I think you see why there is a controversy. People are pretty alarmed yeah, that, this, that this popular preacher has taken this view. And there are a number of people who've come to his defense, and they're saying, we agree. Rob Bell is right. And, and, and as Christians, we've been off to teach the idea of, of a hell and a God who would send people to hell. All right. We'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, maybe this is the first time you've heard about the controversy, the first time you've heard about Rob Bell and his book, Love Wins. But if you would like to comment, we would like to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And uh, you can join in the chat room with other listeners tonight. What do you think about what Rob Bell said uh, what do you think uh, about hell? We'd like to hear your thoughts. Uh, Dad, uh, it is amazing uh, that he says there's just a select few. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Uh, Jesus said that uh, that there are going to be just a few that find it. Uh, narrow is the way. He, he, seemed, the he seemed to be throwing that back at us that we believe that there's only a few who are going to be saved. But he's not throwing that back in our face. He's throwing that back in right Jesus', in Jesus face. face. Yeah. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Yeah, because straight is the gate and narrows the way, and that which leads to life, and few there be that find it. Jesus was the one who taught a minority will be saved, a majority will be lost. I mean, that's just clear. Danny in the chat room from Greenville, Mississippi tonight says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Again, uh, you know, Jesus says it's more than even acknowledging that he's Lord. You have to do his will. Gandhi didn't do either. Yeah. And uh, yet Rob Bell says, well, he's not going to be. Uh, you know, he asked in the video, he asked those questions. Is it what you believe? Is it who you know? Is it what you have done and, and so forth? Is it something that happens in your <laughs> yeah. heart? And Eric in the chat room said, yes, 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 and yes. He answered those questions. Those questions are are. Answerable questions. There is an answer to that. You, it is what you believe and who you know and what you do and what happens in your heart. The answer is yes to all that. All right. Uh, look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, you, uh, unbelievable. It doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, you know, this is this is nothing new, though. I mean, it's a new, it's a new face, but he's saying the same old stuff. I, I pulled out some old notes that I had from a sermon that I'd preached on hell a number of years ago and there were some quotes uh, for instance u.s news and world reports and this goes back 20 years they said by most accounts hell has all but disappeared from the pulpit rhetoric of mainline protestantism uh kenneth cancer kenneth cancer editor yeah. of christianity mm-hmm. today said i haven't preached a sermon on hell in more than three decades uh, a fellow named kraus pastor of a Methodist church in Washington, D.C., said my congregation would be stunned to hear a sermon on hell. Well, so maybe the climate, the religious climate, was ripe for a book like this. Yeah, and then uh, here's a quote from a professor at the University of Chicago. Hell has disappeared and no one noticed. Well, some people are noticing. I mean, this controversy indicates some people are noticing. Here's, but, you know, for those of us who are members of the Churches of Christ, and a, a number of our listeners obviously are, Here's kind of a shocking quote from a former president of Pepperdine University via the Los Angeles Times. He said, for years I have lived with a developing pressure because of my intellectual conflict with the fundamentalistic dogmas and doctrines of the Church of Christ. For years it has been increasingly difficult for me to accept the simplistic assumptions of hellfire and brimstone which most preachers in this church teach. Uh, uh, and so there's a there's a, a former president of Pepperdine University, a university associated with churches of Christ, some churches of Christ, and he's saying 
I don't like what this church teaches, hell, fire, and brimstone. So, I mean, uh, hell is obviously denied by a lot of people. Uh, and, is, and again, this Rob Bell controversy is not the first uh, controversy along those lines. The thing we have to remember, though, is get back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? All these quotes, all the, all the think-sos of these theologians don't really matter. What does the Bible teach about it? And the fact of the matter is the Bible plainly teaches hell. All right. We'll take a break, and we'll give you time to get in your thoughts. Uh, let us know your thoughts. If you're not signed in the chat room tonight, follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window. Uh, sign in using chat roll, and you can give yourself a nickname. No personal information is required, so you can share your comments with people there. Or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com or join in on the phone. It's toll-free, 877-381-4567. We're talking about hell tonight. It is a uh, painful subject. It is not a pleasant discussion, but it is a biblical discussion, and the Bible does teach that hell exists. Rob Bell denies it, and uh, we'll show what the Bible teaches on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Brett Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Here are some quotes to ponder. You can certainly judge the character of a man by observing how he treats those who can do nothing for him. If money talks, it usually sends the wrong message. Man, I wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And we're back on the program. Thank you for being a part of it tonight. Uh, Danny in uh, the chat room says, John 14, verse 16, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. And that uh, the simple truths there. Uh, Danny understands them, and uh, we understand them as well. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we must believe and have faith in Christ and obey him if we're going to be pleasing to him and hope to uh, escape uh, torment in hell for an eternity, Dad. Before we continue, we've got to we got to make a disclaimer. We don't we don't have some kind of sadistic uh, we don't get some kind of sadistic pleasure out of talking about this. Uh, there's no ulterior motive here. We're just teaching what the scriptures teach. Well, the motive is we've got to know this you know, because the the Lord motivates us in more than one way. He motivates us uh, through love, but he also motivates us through warning. In other words, we ought to be motivated to to love God and do his will. We ought to be motivated to receive the reward that he promises to the righteous. But we also ought to be motivated to avoid the punishment that he's promised to those who do not obey him. Right. And so you know, we, 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 we can use all the motivation we can get. And one of the motivators that the Lord used was to warn about the punishment that God will send upon those who do not obey him. And Rob asked the question, who is God? Uh, what is he like? You know. People are forming a picture of God in their mind that is what they want God to be like. We interviewed the, the preacher a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, the Methodist preacher, where he said he just couldn't envision a God like the one he read about in the Old Testament. These are just campfire stories. You remember that we yeah. said that. Uh, people are, what they're doing is they're, they're rationalizing Anthony and they're coming up with a picture of God that uh, just sort of is pleasing and palatable to them. Right. It, it's, they've kind of got, got the equation backwards rather than, the, you know, they're trying to develop their own idea of, of what God is. They just need to read about him in the Bible and, and they can understand who God is and how he operates. All right. Uh, Eric mentions a good verse in the chat room, Second Corinthians 5.11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What's the terror, if Rob uh, Bell is correct? Paul said one of the reasons he was... Trying to persuade men is because he 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 was he knew of the terror of the Lord and he knew that men needed to be persuaded to obey so they wouldn't experience the terror. Rob, of Rob the Lord. Bell's God is a teddy bear, and you know how terrifying those things can be. Yeah. 
Well, we asked the first question, Jacob, was do you believe in a literal eternal hell? Yes or no? Why or why not? That was our first question. Uh, and we got a, a, an email from our friend Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. Uh, he, he notes that I was wrong in the update, and uh, I was. That it's he not, wasn't the only one that caught that. No, several caught that. And I, I knew better. I don't know why I typed it wrong. The name of the book, Rob Bell's book, is Love Wins. He said uh, the, the points that he made. Okay, I'm going I'm to go to the last part of his message first. As to hell, the points that he makes are Jesus taught such a place as hell, Gehenna, existed and said there was fire there. Among several passages, Matthew 5, 29 and 30. 2530 and 2541 and 46. Paul taught that God will execute his justice and fire and judgment with fire, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. Peter taught that God will destroy with fire, 2 Peter 3, verse 7 and verses 10 and through 12. And finally, John taught that God will execute justice and judgment by placing those who are his enemies in a lake that burns with fire, Revelation 20, beginning verse 12 and chapter 21, verse 8. So Jesus, Peter, Paul, and John all taught that God will execute judgment and that a place of fire and everlasting punishment exists. If one chooses not to call it hell, that will not change anything. Such a place still exists. Mm -hmm. It is prepared by God for the devil and his angels, but any who choose to side with the devil will be able to experience it likewise. It will be eternal punishment. A loving God is, is such because he tells us, he tells us that he loves us. He warns us of evil and danger. He provides a way to escape evil and danger through the gospel, yet still fulfills his word when his promises, uh, when he promises rewards for the faithful and punishment for the unfaithful. I think Jim is spot on. I, that exactly describes it. And, and that would be my answer, too. If someone says, why do you believe in, in hell that there is a real hell? I would respond because Jesus himself taught it. And I and, believe what Jesus and said. And the apostles taught it. The inspired apostles taught it. And so either Jesus is telling the truth or he's a liar. I believe he's telling the truth. You know, it is sort of funny that you uh, you called it God wins, which that has been sort of the synopsis that some have placed on the book of Revelation. You read the book of Revelation and you have the same idea that God is punishing those who are wicked. And uh, you, have to rip, you have to rip so many passages out of the scriptures to uh, take the belief that Mr. Bell suggests. Eric in Fayetteville, who's in the chat room tonight, if you'd like to talk with Eric, says yes uh, about uh, do, does he believe in a literal hell? Yes, but I struggle with comprehending it. Like anything eternal, I'm not sure we can grasp it. Jesus taught very plainly on hell, and so uh, Eric is going to stand with Jesus on this. Yeah, and I, I agree with Eric. I, I, I mean, there's an, awful, there's an awful lot about eternity that our finite mortal minds can't grasp. We're, we're bound up in space and time. Eternity is not about space and time. So it's a completely different realm. The rules that we operate on are, are not operational there. There's, it's going to be way different. But even though we can't fully grasp or get our minds around all the concepts of eternity, we still believe in it because our Lord taught it, and we have to accept it as being so. And Eric says that he believes Jesus taught on it more than anyone. That's right. Uh, I've done a, a simple count on those lines, and if you count references to hell in the New Testament, Jesus way more than anybody else talked about hell. Now, let, let me give you just a few of the descriptions from Jesus. Matthew five twenty two. I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Rekha shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Jesus said hell fire. Okay. Matthew five twenty nine beginning. Uh, both of these quotes from the Sermon on the Mount, obviously. He said, if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right eye, or right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Matthew ten twenty eight. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So, I would love to have Mr. Bell's ear for a minute and ask him what in the world was Jesus talking about. Exactly right. I mean, that just doesn't make sense if what Jesus, you know, if what Rob Bell is saying, what Jesus says doesn't make sense. You know, as to the as to the fact that it will be an eternal punishment, you know, I think that's probably... I think that's the thing that we have the biggest problem dealing with, Jacob, the idea that it's eternal, that it'll last forever. And, you know, Rob Bell in his video said billions and billions of people will burn forever in hell. And I think that's 
That's a difficult thing. And that's why some people have come to the view of um, eternal annihilation. Like or, a bug sapper. You know, that you those who are, are punished will just be punished and it's over. It's right. done. It's not. But if, if you, again, look to the scriptures, um, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, he will say to them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Paul said uh, in 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning verse 7, you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the power of his, or from the glory of his power. So the same words that talk about the punishment, the, the adjectives, for instance, Matthew twenty five forty six, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, the righteous into life eternal. The same words are used. If if the reward is forever, the punishment is forever also. Right. You you can't separate them. They're in the same passage. All right. Uh, Good comments there. Uh, Danny in the chat room has some more excellent comments. He references Hebrews 12, 28, 29, for our God is a consuming fire. What's that all about if there is no punishment? Well, how could God be a consuming fire? And then he references John 3, 16 and 17. He notes that we were condemned already. It was God who provided the way out of condemnation. And that's an excellent point as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you wanted to get some descriptions of hell, Jacob, it's kind of interesting. It's it's banishment from God's presence. You'll be banished, uh, eternally destroyed from the presence of the Lord. In other words, you're going to be excluded from God's presence. You're going to be in outer darkness. Uh, that's Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12. It's going to be everlasting fire. Revelation 20:14 calls it a lake of fire. Matthew 13:42 calls it a furnace of fire where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 18:9 says hell fire. It's called everlasting fire. Matthew 25:41. Mark 9:43 and 44 says it's the where the fire will never be quenched. And so certainly it describes an eternal fire. It's called eternal death. It's going to involve tremendous torment and endless shame. Daniel 12, verse 2, speaks of those who will suffer uh, uh, the shame and everlasting contempt of being punished by God. So all of those kind of things go to the idea of hell and what it will be like. All right. Eric references Revelation 20, verse 10. They will be tormented night and day forever and ever. Uh, so, again, join the eternal nature. Of, of hell and the condemnation. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room is wide open tonight. Uh, join in with your comments there. All right. Um, I think we've pretty well covered that first question in regard to do you believe in hell. All of our responders so far say yes, they do. There's obviously a significant element of people in the religious world who do not believe in hell. But all of our responders have said yes, they do. And I think that's right. I think it's the only... Conclusion we can Have reach. Have you seen any percentages on that? I mean, are who, uh, the majority think there is, or majority? No, are... I, I didn't pull up any stats on that. Maybe some who are uh, listening to us can send us a note in the chat room or something. But historically, whenever you've looked that up, people who believe in heaven are 95 plus percent. Yeah, yeah. People who believe in a real, literal burning hell usually way less than half. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a break and get this week's bullet point. And then on the other side, we've got a lot of interesting discussion to go. You know, there's some differences in the words i mean some people some words are mistranslated hell yeah we want to talk about uh, just for for point of reference we want to clear up the discrepancy in the translations very prevalent in the king james version of uh, a faulty translation i want to just throw out the whole idea of hell because of these mistranslations that's not the valid and acceptable way to handle it and then you know you sound very unloving when you say that i'm sort of disappointed in well, some think God is unloving when well, you talk about hell. Let's talk about that. Yeah. We're going to take a break, and then we'll take your comments on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Have you heard about Rusty Redfern? He's an award-winning artist in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Marketed through his own company called Redfern Originals, he illustrates and sells note cards, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even limited edition prints and original drawings. 
Now, that may not seem so terribly impressive to you. After all, there are a lot of artists in this world who produce and sell artwork. But there's one other bit of information about Rusty. He was born without arms. This remarkable man uses his feet to do what most folks do with their hands. He eats with spoon and fork, answers the phone, drives his car even without special adaptations, plays football, golfs, and even plays basketball. There's a lesson to be learned from such a fella. It's simply this. You can do what you want to do. Too often we give up before ever making a serious effort. We do it at work, in school, with our families, and we do it in the service of God. Too often we've heard Christians say, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You simply have to keep trying. Is your life hard? Are you battling against some particular spiritual weakness? Do you struggle constantly to maintain faithfulness? Please take consolation in the fact that God loves you. He wants you to succeed, and he's made it possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So keep trying. Never give up. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we welcome you back. we got to work on some new sound bites. Those kids are in college now. <laughs> they're, not, they're not in college, but they're not eight years old anymore. Uh, but uh, we're glad that uh, they like to listen. We're glad you're listening as well. Uh, we hope to hear from you. Uh, we asked before the break uh, what kind of percentage of people in America believe in hell, and Eric was right on. Eric the, on hit the us up with uh, some stats from the USA Today in uh, August of '09 from the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. 59% of Americans believe in hell, compared with 74% who believe in heaven. So there's your there's your exact stats. But you know that's kind of interesting. What do we got there? We got a 17. 15% difference. Yeah, you know, you know, I, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced you've got to, you got to take, take it all or none. Mm-hmm. They go together. You can't believe in heaven and deny hell. They, they are interrelated. They are inseparable. If there's a heaven, there's a hell. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus taught it. All right, uh, we have to believe it. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Email questions at collegeview.com. Uh, or uh, send in your comments in the chat room tonight. Anthony's behind the controls and can take your call. Uh, Anthony, uh, we were talking during the break. Just phenomenal, uh, the claims that this gentleman makes uh, about his book and about uh, what God would be like. Right. I, I mean, I, I, you, the biggest thing to me is, you know, and we've said it before many times, you know, the person who teaches the most about hell in the New Testament or in the Bible is Jesus himself. So I, I just don't see how you can get away away from it. And again, just the the error from the outset of trying to project our own you know human notion of what God is like. And like you said, Jacob, you know, uh, making him out to be this big teddy bear sounds great, but it does not it does not match the God that's described in the Bible. All right, you just have to read the the Old Testament, uh, just a few chapters in the Old Testament, Anthony. You quickly learn that uh, God punishes those who are evil. He's done it uh, throughout time, and uh, so uh, we certainly need to understand God's nature. Again, uh, Mr. Bell is struggling with what God's like. The, the Scripture is very clear on, on God's nature, and we need to understand it. Exactly right. We we're going to we're going to call. I don't know if this caller wants to comment on, on what we've already been talking about or not. But we want to move to the second question that we asked, just for just for a little point of clarification. What's the difference, if any, between hell and Hades? Uh, the King James version. The word hell is found 23 times in the King James version, but uh, there are actually three different Greek words, and they have different connotations. And so we want to get into that. All right. Well, we've got Eric from Fayetteville on the phone. He's in the chat room. He's on the phone. He's on email tonight. He's everywhere. He's all over. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, yeah. I appreciate the study tonight. Thank you for being a part and helping out with it. Yeah, I may be a little late. I, I, I think that uh, you were just about to move on to the, the Hades and Hell thing, but I had a, a couple other uh, thoughts on uh, Rob Bell's book. Um, just I, I haven't read it yet. But it's uh, something that I gained by just uh, reading, I guess, other people's are, thoughts are you about gonna, it. Are you going to read it, Eric? Pardon? Are you going to read it? I don't know. I, maybe I should have said yet. I just I should say I haven't read it. I, I don't okay. have any plans at the moment to read it. But, okay. All right. Um, but I've read a lot of people's discussing it. And there were two 
questions that he raises that I think are interesting, um, sort of sophistry. One of them is, he says, does God get what he wants? And the point is that if God says that he desires all men to be saved, well, it's God's universe, and God's all-powerful, so is God going to get what he wants or not? No, he's not. Right. That's the right. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus said he, the yes, right? Jesus said he didn't get what he wanted. That is right. that is sophistry, you know, to say well, he's God. Doesn't he get to, doesn't he get what he wants? Well, no, because he granted us free moral agency. Right. He, he granted us choice. His choice would be that we all go to heaven. His choice would be that we never sin. But he gave us the ability to make moral choices and when we fail, and sin, then there's a consequence to that. Yeah, the verse that came to mind, uh, Eric, was Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which sin unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as the hen gathers their chickens under her wings? And ye would not. Jesus didn't get what he wanted. That's right, yeah, and, and you, you don't have to, you, we only have to look as far as the garden to see also that, that uh, God did not desire that they would sin, but they did. So, uh, that. but anyway, that just shows, I think, the uh, the type of reasoning that that can lead to his flawed conclusions and uh the other thing that i think is interesting that i had never considered before but i have wondered about this in general is the idea of free will after (coughs) death and i think what he believes is that people who are in hell will have the option to repent and decide to love god and if they do then they would be saved um that's what he's going to say in his book I believe that's his position, that that free will doesn't end when you die. And so even the people who are in hell, um, after some period of rebelling against God, will, you know, would have the option if they they ever just got ready to repent and then turn to God and and then he would save them. Okay, Um, so he doesn't deny that hell exists then totally. He just denies that you'll save them. He hedges on that question. He's been asked that tons of times in interviews, and he won't answer. Okay. But he he does take this view that there's a, sort of a second chance, or it, or he said, and if you refuse that, then you'll suffer a hell of your own creation. Yes, that, right. That's his expression. Well, uh, what, what's that going to be like? Uh, I don't know. It's not biblical. Okay. It's Second Corinthians five verse ten. Paul said, "We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body." According to that that he had done, whether it be good or bad, our judgment is going to be based upon what we've done in our body while we're still alive. Yeah, Hebrews uh, nine twenty seven is pointed one unto uh, men once to die, and that, but after this the judgment. So you know, Jesus, uh, Eric, uh, I was thinking, you know, the idea that you might get to change after death. Mm-hmm. Jesus pretty well put a, a a killer statement on that when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke sixteen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the rich man said, at least send Lazarus down here to dip his finger in water and place it on my tongue. I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham said, this is Luke 16:25. son, remember thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed oh, so that perfect. they that would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. That's it right there, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, I don't think that the idea of a after-death second chance to change your state is going to work. Right. Right, I agree. Eric, well, that was it, guys. That's really what I wanted to say. Right. Those two but, thoughts of mine on Eric, the book. Eric, you're very unloving, though. Do you get some kind of pleasure out of, of talking about this? I tell you, uh, it is, I struggle as well with the idea of an eternal um, punishment. You know, And some people ask the question, how is it? how could it ever be just or fair that um, – you know, you, you sin however much you sin in your 70 years of life, and then you suffer eternally for that. But I think it's just a matter of us not understanding the magnitude of sinning against an infinite and all-powerful God. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, that has, led, as I mentioned earlier, that has led some people to take the view of annihilation, that the wicked will just be annihilated. You know, many of our listeners will know the name Homer Haley. After his death, a book that he had written was published in which he took the view of eternal annihilation for the wicked because he just couldn't he couldn't abide the idea of an everlasting punishment. But the Bible says it. I mean, if there's some way out of it, God didn't reveal. I mean, if there's some way that that it's going to get, get shut off after a time or something like that, uh, the Bible certainly doesn't reveal it. And if words mean things, then we have to accept the idea of an eternal punishment. 
All right, Eric. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Good to hear from you tonight. 877-381-4567 is the number to call. It's open now, and you can join in like Eric did. We appreciate him for calling, and we appreciate uh, you for listening. We look forward to your comments on the program tonight about hell you know there are a couple words that are mistranslated here in the in the king james yeah real quickly this is this is really kind of a side point but i think it's interesting and by the way i've got a chart that i put together in word format sometime back and if anybody wants that if you'll send me an email just send it to questions collegeview.com and uh, just say uh, i'd like to see that chart is that free of charge as well free of charge no charge away everything yeah we're giving away the store uh There's three different Greek words. The King James translates them all as hell. It's actually not accurate. There's a word Hades, and the word literally means not seen. Uh, And it uh, it is the place where departed spirits go to await the final resurrection and judgment. The Old Testament equivalent word is Sheol. uh, But even within Hades, there's a place of punishment. There's a place of comfort. That is seen uh, very well in... Luke 16, beginning verse 22, we were just referencing the rich man and Lazarus. That's right. And uh, it says, the King James says that the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. That should be Hades. That's where the rich man and Lazarus were. They were in Hades. Jesus told the thief on the cross, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Jesus went to Hades. Acts chapter 2 talks about that. That's right. Acts chapter 2 uh, beginning verse 25 says that he was in Hades. He, he went to paradise and he told the thief on the cross that he'd be with him there in, in, in paradise, which is the comfort part of Hades for those who've, who've lived so righteous. So Hades is not all bad. Hades it has a place of comfort. That's where the, the, uh, where Lazarus was. That's where Jesus went mm-hmm. when, when he died before his resurrection. Uh, and so many places need to be translated Hades rather than hell. And that, that's confusing. Uh, there's another word. It's only found once, Tartarus, uh, and it's found in Second Peter 2, verse 4. God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. The King James says that is Tartarus. That is also a reference to the tormenting part of Hades. Uh, that, and, and, and Hades is going to be destroyed uh, in the end. Uh, in Revelation chapter 20, death and Revelation 20:15, death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire. So Hades, the Hadean realm, will be destroyed in the final judgment. When the resurrection takes place and the people come out of Hades, their bodies are resurrected, their souls are reunited with their bodies, death and Hades will be destroyed eternally. Gone. It'll be gone. Uh, but then there is the eternal hell uh, that is the Greek word for it is Gehenna. Uh, it's what Jesus mentioned in Matthew 10:28 when he said, Fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear them which are able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That That is hellfire. That's Gehenna. Uh, so, you know, the, that is that is the, the eternal punishment uh, aspect. The, that word is found again in Mark 9, verse 43, beginning... If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. That's Gehenna. Into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. That's Gehenna. And that's, that's what we think of when we think of eternal hell. So there is a, there, there are some nuances of meaning there, and the King James doesn't, version doesn't help us at all because it, it often translates Hades as hell, and it shouldn't be translated that way. All right. Those are valuable things to learn. And again, if you want, I got a little chart on that that gives some explanation. I think maybe, Anthony, you had a chart up there part of the time. If you want to copy that chart, and what I also did is try to reference every place in the New Testament where those words are used, I'll send that to you if you send me an email. All right. Uh, We look forward to hearing from you if you'd like that chart. Uh, You can send the email to use as the same as uh, on the program, questions at collegeview.com if you would like uh, that chart. Uh, we'll take a break, and we're going to go top of the hour. After this break, we've got to answer the question, and this w- this could be a whole hour. Yeah. How, do, how does God send people to hell if He's a loving how, God? How do you explain it when Rob Bell or anybody else asks you a question? How could a loving God send anybody to hell? 
Uh, let's talk about that. That's that's an important question. We need to be I ready to answer. I wish he would ask me some questions. I have a whole lot of questions for him. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break and go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Hello, my name's Jeffrey Vernon. I'm 13, and this is the virtual Bible study. That was me five years ago. Now I'm 18, and I still love listening to the virtual Bible study. Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We welcome you back to the program tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or come and visit with us if you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We're talking about hell on the program tonight, and I see John Duvall in the chat room there, Dad. Uh, I need to throw a shout-out to John and his program on Tuesday night, Scriptural Way, broadcast at scripturalway.org. Those uh, guys out there in Oklahoma are doing a good job, and uh, they've got a fancy set now. they got a new desk, and, uh, looking good. You know, this last Tuesday night, they had you would have, your, your hair, you would not have any hair left. They were right in the middle of the program, and a circuit breaker popped. Oh wow! Out they went. Dead so I, I, it's good. It's I, I didn't get to listen the last two weeks. I've been uh, uh, with other obligations, and I didn't get to listen last night. But it's a, it's a comfort to me to know that other people have technical issues. That it's not uh, isolated to us exclusively. I think the wind has blown them out west, and we're yeah. not they're not, yeah. not bothering us anymore. Thanks, John, for the for uh, what you do on on the Scripture Way broadcast. Uh, we got Danny in the chat room. Danny said, in classes I was at at FC, Homer Haley taught the truth on Matthew twenty five forty six concerning everlasting eternal, meaning the same thing, the same duration uh, as how hell will be as long as heaven is long. It has to be same word. So, so he said in his official teaching, he he taught that. But this book that I was referencing came out. After his death, he had written it but never published it, and somebody got a hold of it and published it after his death. Okay. All right. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you in the remaining minutes of the program. As we talk about hell, and you could really help us with this uh, next question because it is a difficult one. How does a loving God send someone to hell? Do you have any thoughts on that? The uh, best way for you to get those thoughts in as we run up against the end of the program is for you to give us a call toll-free. Uh, we would love to hear from you or send your comments in the chat room. How does a loving God send someone to hell? You got the answer to that question? Well, uh, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, gave us a good answer. He's written a couple articles, he said, on this, and he said he made these points. Uh, God punished Adam and Eve just as he said he would by expelling them from the garden, Genesis 3. God punished all living things except Noah and his family in the ark, just as God said. All died who were not in the ark. God destroyed all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh unto the firstborn in the dungeon, and even of the cattle in the field. See Exodus 12:29. Did God destroy, punish? Yes. So these and any other number of examples clearly demonstrate that God punishes. In fact, it is one of the characteristics of God that we depend upon that He will execute justice and swift judgment against evil. So, so it's you know, you- to, to the question: How could a loving God send anyone to hell? How could a loving God destroy every living thing in the days of Noah? Well, I mean, uh, did he do it or did he not? First of all, is he a God who punishes? And the answer is absolutely yes, with abundant historical reference to it. If you deny that God is a punishing God, then you just might as well throw your Bible away. You're not defining God the right way. You don't understand the God in his nature. That's right. But in, in these instances where he sent punishment, he made provision to escape that punishment if men would choose it noah was a preacher of righteousness uh, noah was trying to get others besides just himself and his family uh to be saved in in the flood in first peter chapter 3 uh verse 20 it speaks of god the long suffering of god waited in the days of noah while the ark was preparing wherein few that is eight souls were saved by water uh in second peter chapter 2 verse 5 uh, God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. So Noah was preaching, and God was long-suffering. The people refused the, the the deliverance that he was offering, and so he sent the punishment. All right. Uh, Eric says, perhaps the better question is, how can a just God not send everyone who sins to hell? 
At the cross, we see God's love and justice manifested. He references Romans 3.26 and Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You know, you could take the other, op- other end of the coin there, uh, Anthony. How could a just God not send everyone to hell? Because all have sinned, Romans 3, verse 23. Right. And I, I think, you know, also the, the problem that I think people have with this idea of how can a loving God do this is they're misunderstanding the concept of love. If you go to probably, you know, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, you know, how did he manifest that love? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him shall have everlasting life. So uh, the love of God is not that he's going to, you know, give everybody a giant bear hug. Right, bring it, milk and cookies to right. everyone, yeah. The love is that he's already manifested his love through Jesus. Right. So if we want to be a part of God's love and and enjoy the love of God, it's found in Jesus. It's not found in a universal salvation of, of everybody, regardless of their beliefs. Excellent comments. We need to define love like God's defined yeah. it for us. Well, the Bible says that God is love, First John 4, verse 8. Uh, and that love, is. there's no clearer manifestation of the love of God than in sending Jesus down the cross. Romans 5, verse 8, God commended his love to us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us. God is love. There's no doubt about that. But God is also holy and just. I mean, if we if we if we focus on the love aspect exclusively, we miss this other part of the characteristic of God. He's a holy and just God. He punishes the wicked. Habakkuk one thirteen. Thine eyes are too pure to approve evil, and thou canst not look on the wickedness with on, on wickedness with favor. Uh, Psalms 5, verse 4, Thou art not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with thee. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, His work is perfect, for all his ways are just. God is a, a God of faithfulness, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. So God is love, but God is also a God of justice. He, he punishes those who are disobedient. And we have to see both aspects of God's nature. All right. Uh, we have. You just can't. T- they're in balance, I guess, is what you would say. And they, and they are resolved in Christ. You know, the, the, you, if it was not for what God had done for us through Jesus Christ, we would have this conflict unresolved. His, he's a loving God, but he's a punishing God. What's going to happen here? There's going to be a There has to be something to fix the, the dilemma. And, and the, the fix is what God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and the shedding of his blood on the cross of Calvary. And what it gets down to really is the fact that God has given us a choice. And it gets down to that free will. God wants everyone to be saved. He's made it possible for everyone to be saved. He loves everyone, wants them to be saved. He's also just. And then the decision is up to us. It's our call. A lot of Bible verses talk about that decision-making. Well, it was back in the Old Testament uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Behold, uh, behold, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave to him, for he is thy life. uh, the choice was set before the children of Israel there in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and uh, same choice that we have today. Joshua's famous statement in Joshua 24:15: If it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he's, Joshua told the children of Israel, you you got to choose. You have the freedom to choose. Choose. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, but you got to choose. That's right, and, and Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are whom, to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Uh, we've got the choice. Uh, God has made it possible in his love that you mentioned, Anthony. In his love, he's given us the choice. You don't have to suffer forever in hell. It is your choice. Uh, you choose who you want to serve, who you want to obey. I just got an email from, from Patrick in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and, uh, and uh, Patrick, I didn't get your emails for the uh, earlier questions. He says, yes, quite simply, Jesus refers to hell as eternal. The book of Reve- Revelation refers to it as eternal. eternal. He, he believes in an eternal hell. Uh, but he says uh, uh, to this question, uh, and I just got his email, he says, my understanding is that God desires all men to be saved, but he gives man free will. And this means that we can accept and love him or we can reject him. People choose hell by rejecting God. God simply gives to us what we have chosen. Okay. I think that's right. All right. Jack in the chat room says, God loves us and has given all people enough evidence to know he exists and that they need to, to what they need to do 
and uh, to be saved. Nonetheless, people choose not to know him. If they chose to follow, they've or not to follow, they've condemned themselves. God created humans with the power to choose, and he has provided us with instructions on how to use this power and warns the misuse uh, of this power will result in death. So he is not the author of suffering, freely choosing creatures are. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think uh, God could have pre-programmed us as robots and just made us go through the motions. But he Some did. people think he did. Some people think he did, but we believe that the Bible plainly teaches that we've just read several verses, Jacob, that suggest the idea of choosing. He gives us choice, and then, but but he tells us there's consequences to your choices. Choose right and receive a reward. Choose to reject him and suffer the punishment for that. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, if if would we be considered unloving? As parents, you know, if if we told a child, if you'll do this and this, uh, you, you'll receive, you know, cookies and candy for supper. But if you do that, or if spoken that, like a that, true grandfather, yeah, if you do that cookies or that, for supper. Come on. Uh, then you know you're going to get a spanking and you're going to go to your room. Uh, you know, or, uh, you have to go to bed early tonight. You know, are you not? Uh, is it an indication of a non-loving parent? To, to say there's a choice and you make a choice and you live with the consequences of your choice. We just do that. Uh, and we, it is, it is just a reality of God that he both rewards the righteous and punishes the wicked. All right. Uh, if you have any thoughts, uh, there's time to get them in. Uh, Jack says, God provides us the answers if we read. So the, you know, it is not, uh, uh, you know, it's not uh, Anthony. Some people think it is something that God has chosen. He's, he, he just wants to send certain people to hell. The Calvinists teach that, but clearly the Scriptures teach something else. Otherwise, that God loves us and wants what's best for us. And as Jack said, he's given us the answers. We just have to read and submit to what we read. Right. I think a lot of these these quandaries and these questions and, and things that, that are posed by Rob Bell could just be answered by you know an honest reading and study of, of the Bible. And uh, it's not complicated and uh, mysterious. It, the, the topic of hell is very plainly uh, set forth in the scriptures. Okay. That and, and, you know, as as you all, both of you have mentioned tonight, we're not at liberty to create God like we want him to be. The, you know, God is, and God is as he describes himself to us in the Bible. We have to either accept that or not, uh, but we don't have the privilege to reinvent him the way we want him to be. And so many people today are doing that. But, you know, back to that video we showed at the start, the trailer for Rob Bell's book, Love Wins. You know, he he just suggested that you can't have a loving God and the reality of hell. But he he suggested several other things that are completely off base. And I think one of the most telling things is he started out by suggesting that people can be saved without ever believing in Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's just he's pretty much abandoned completely. The inspired word of God. He has, absolutely. Uh, Jack uh, concludes our thoughts tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, that he scourges every son whom he receives. God's, <coughs> God's a disciplining and a punishing God, and we have to understand that. And so it's been an interesting and valuable discussion tonight. One more email we didn't touch on. A, a friend, Philip, in Newcastle, Indiana, writes, in answer to the question, how do you answer, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? He said, he said he would answer by saying, well, there must be a whole lot more to sin than most people imagine. It's very if serious. it'll take us to hell in spite of such a loving God. We need to understand the seriousness. We need to, and I think that's the thing. We downplay the seriousness of sin. It's horrible. It alienates us from our God. All right. Uh, before we conclude tonight, you've got to tell us about the program for next week. This, thing, this program next week is maybe one of the more interesting ones we've had. Um, We've got a, in fact, uh, our friend Eric that was on the phone earlier tipped us off to this. A professor at Southern Methodist University mm-hmm. writes a blog, and on his blog he wrote, the churches of Christ, the churches of Christ were right after all. And it's a real interesting thing. Uh, he, he says we were right on the music question, and we're right on various elements of worship and so forth, and uh I contacted him this week, and he has agreed to an interview with us next week on the program. Uh, his name is Ted Campbell, and he's a professor at uh, Southern Methodist University in Texas. 
and he's going to be with us. Here's a here's a guy who's who is not a member of the Church of Christ, but he says we were right on some of these important issues. You got it there, Jacob? Uh, it's Hardcore Methodist, I think, is his blog. You might look it up uh, under that, Hardcore Methodist. He visited the church, and he says, you know, they're right on about a lot of things. Yeah, so he's going to give us an interview. It should be an interesting yeah, discussion. Yeah, you'll want to be here for that next week, and so be sure to mark your calendars. And look for that email, that free email that comes to your inboxes on Thursday afternoon to tell you what the program is going to be about. Keep your eyes open for that and join in on that discussion next week. Uh, Anthony, thank you for running the controls tonight. Job well done. Thank you for keeping the technical bugs under control. No problem. It's always a pleasure. And, Dad, thank you for the discussion. Tonight. Thank you, Jacob. And we look forward to hearing from you again uh, this time next week on another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.